Well, welcome. If, if you're just visiting for the first time, you're a guest for the first time, I'm going to end uh, this weekend uh, a topic, a conversation we've been having. So, the disclaimer, okay? Disclaimer. Not all of this weekend may make full sense to you. And if you're like, well, that's normal church for me. Okay, well, good for you then. But no, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that if you haven't been a part of what we've been talking about, that you would go on the internet and watch and get caught up. All of us, fellows at RCMU and East and West, we've all been talking about wells. So to get there, I'd like to read something to you that is about you. It's a nice, nice thing. Uh, let me, this was written a long, long time ago. Surely God is my salvation. Now let me give you context. This was written about 700 years before Jesus showed up on earth. 700 years. And it was written about the people of the time Jesus would show up and you. It was said to be this. This was said way, way, way before Jesus. That when, when Jesus shows up, you and I, you and I, we would say this. This would be a part of our lives. We would say, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. you got to make this personal. The Bible is not for someone else. It's for you. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy, you will draw waters from the wells of salvation. So let me fast forward from the moment that was written to the point when Jesus was walking around on this earth. He finds himself one day at a well with a woman where they have a conversation. He says, in short, guess what? I have a well of salvation. He basically says, guess what? I am what you need, eternally speaking. And so we've made this very personal. If you missed it, let me catch you up right now. If Jesus, which he is, if Jesus is this well of salvation, if we could all agree, which I think we ought to, that, that we need Jesus, that our marriages need Jesus, that our schools need Jesus, that our businesses need Jesus, that our friends need Jesus, that everybody needs Jesus. If you lock on to the fact that anyone and everyone matters and they need Jesus, that compels us to dig those kinds of wells. It compels you and I to say, not only should we say, yeah, anyone and everyone matters and everyone should know who Jesus is, that you and I should, should live our lives in such a way that it looks a little bit like this, that how you go to work, how you raise your family, how you are dating, how you just function in life has everything to do with showing someone who Jesus is if they need to know who Jesus is. And so we've likened, we've taken the metaphor and made it very, very personal. This is your calling in life. This is what you and I are supposed to be doing. And it's not new. So there's a problem I'd like to talk to you about. Most of us, I think, are going to agree, just by you participating in church this weekend, that God has some value in your life. That people need to know who Jesus is. But i got to tell you some news that's not trending so well, so you can understand what's drawn us into this conversation, and this is how I want to land it. So let me, let me show you some trends. Uh, this is about church, okay? The past 20 years, this has been used to describe what's going on in the church nationally. So if, if, this is, if you don't care about stats, tune me out for a little bit. 3,700 churches closed Every single year. 
Perhaps you've been in a town, maybe, maybe the church you grew up in, or you've heard like a church literally, as they say, closes its doors, maybe sells the building. I've, I've seen churches become coffee shops and, and retail places, and, and I've seen one church sell to another church. And you need to know that, that for the past 20 years, every single year on the books across all denominations and non-denominations, 3,700 churches close every year. But you see that 4,000 churches, new ones, baby churches, are born, starting just brand new, never happened before, and they often will lease space, meet in schools, maybe build the building, maybe meet in a house. They start, that's, if you're good at math, you're like, that's not horrible. Now, now, now wait, wait, the population though, population has increased. So this is not as good as it might at first seem. So now I'll bring you into what experts are identifying as our current day. Now times have changed. This is the new stat that 5,500 churches are now closing and projected to close over the next decade or so each year, still maintaining that 4,000 will start somewhere in someone's house, someone's dorm room. They'll, They'll start. Now we've got a math problem. Now we've got an issue. And again, if you account for population increases, the issue is even more worse. Because what it does is it leads us to a place that changes all of everything. So experts say, here's the new need. Every year, 8,100 churches need to start in the United States of America just to keep up with the ones closing and the population increase. Again, if you... If you're like me, where I kind of struggled with math going through school, um, that's a major problem. Now, I don't know everyone that I'm talking to right now. I don't know your opinion of church. Perhaps you, maybe you hate organized religion, which means you love unorganized religion, which I don't understand that. But I'm just telling you, do you know Jesus told his own disciples, I want the church to start? And he gave instructions on how to do that. So according to Jesus, the church has great value. And perhaps it has marked your soul. Perhaps you've met Jesus. You've had a God encounter amongst the church, which, let's be clear, a church is not a building. It's a group of people. This is a problem. But it's not just the church. For those of you who don't love the church conversation, let's go deeper. Let's talk about Christians. Let me show you something. And this is about Christians, not not church specifically Christians. Barna Research, they're, they're known for very honest, full of integrity uh, research. They, they pull people and survey people, put it together, and produce these reports. Well, here's one of their latest reports says that they asked the question in 1993. Do you remember 1993? Good times. <laughs> they asked the question, here's the question, to a group of Christians, if you know, who, who are they asking? A group of Christians. They asked a group of Christians this. Do you feel like it's your responsibility to share your faith? Let let me word it in our terms. Do you feel like it's your responsibility to show people who Jesus is? In 1993, 89% of the Christians said, yep. So now you understand we have a problem. Because they asked the same question to a new group of Christians in 2018. And the yeses dropped by 25%. Statistically, that means this. Every single year, 1% of Christians are deciding, 
I don't need to tell anybody who Jesus is. Let me help you make it real personal, or at least it is for me. Titus, our youngest, he's six years old. When he turns 21, he will then live in a world where the majority of Christians, the majority of Christians will say, I don't need to show anybody who Jesus is. That's if everything stays the same. That's if the trend just keeps coasting. That means, and this will mess with you because it messes with me, that means my grandkids. Oh, don't want to think about that. <laughs> that means the current young generation and the next generation are going to grow up in a world that you and I have never experienced in our lives. And the problem is not just those outside of like who don't believe in God. Do you know the new problem is? Is the people who call themselves Christians. Do you understand that in our lifetime, what's going to happen if you and I don't do something? If you and I don't say, whoa, you're telling me in about 15, 16 years, our whole world, the majority of Christians don't see any value in showing people who Jesus is? Do you understand how this completely contradicts what Jesus taught us? This is like the opposite. What I just told you, those stats, those trends, is like opposite day for Jesus. Let me show you, let me walk you through some moments of Jesus. One day as Jesus was walking on the shore of, sea of, Gal- of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, come follow me. Okay, you've heard that before maybe, come follow me. And I will show you how. He didn't say just come follow me and soak up all the information I've got and that's, that's where it ends. That's just it's over. Just soak it up. He says, I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. Or maybe some of you read it, to become fishers of men. Let's keep rolling through uh, Jesus' life. Students are not greater than their teacher. I know some of you teachers like, they think they are. Uh, but no, Students are not greater than their teacher, but, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. In other words, passing on what the teacher does. Let's keep moving. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, I didn't do it just to make sure your feet were clean. You catch that? You ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example, an example to follow. Not just to see and watch and think is really cool and a story to pass on to your kids. To follow. Do, do as I have done to you. And then the real kicker. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the age. Do you see how the idea that Christians have decided, I don't need to show anybody who Jesus is, and the fact that churches are closing their doors at alarming rates, and perhaps you have a friend, or maybe it's you who wonders, 
I don't know if the church is even relevant anymore. Do you understand how that all contradicts what Jesus said? Hey, if you believe in me, go tell people. It complete. Com- so if you're like me, you're like, what stinking happened? <laughs> well, what happened from the moment that Jesus is like, hey, go do this? And then after some time, we hear story after story after story after story. Thousands of people saying, say what? That's Jesus. I want to follow him. What happened? I can tell you what happened. It's not good. Christians grab the title without the calling. At some moment, at some moment in history, and we can argue about when this happened and and all that, at some moment, the idea of being a Christian was good enough for someone that then led to some people that then led to a generation that now is repeating itself over and over again. We're like, how do I get to heaven? That's all I care about. At some point, it was relegated to, well, that's just a, a pastor's job or a priest's job to show people who Jesus is. I think our problem right now in our world I know this will shock you, is not our government. I think our problem in our world is not media, technology. You know what I'm about to say. I think our problem has been the church and Christians who at some point decided I'm cool with being called a Christian, which, by the way, do you know that was used to be a slang term? The original Christians were like, don't, don't, don't call me that. At some point, we got cool with, where's my chair? I'm going to heaven. I'll think about the loss someday. I don't know when, but someday. But that's not how everyone's reacted to this, by the way. If, if you became a historian, which, again, if you think that I grew up being a historian, I grew up going, do I have to go to history class, Okay. That was my question. Then I, I married a history major. God works in mysterious ways. And, uh, and I've learned to love history. And, and there have been multiple people throughout time that have not, not just said, you know, I want to be a Christian. I, I want to actually, like, help people know who Jesus is and, like, be a part of this. And, and so there's one guy in particular, his name is John Wesley. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. He, uh, he preached over, the estimate, over thirty to 40,000 times. And, and, in fact, they say now the, the amount of people impacted by John Wesley, just his, his life without the Internet, by the way, uh, over 30 million people. He said something that's marked me. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can, you get the drift. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if this resonates with some of us, where we're like, yeah. Can you imagine a world like this? Can you imagine an environment where you and I are are just functioning in everyday life where the majority, at least of Christians, were like, yep, that's, that's the full life. Here's what I would tell you. If we were to do this, this becomes true. All future generations can have a church nearby who will show them who Jesus is. I'm not talking about a church building that just... 
place church. I'm not talking about a church who will teach false things. I'm talking about every generation that comes after us. There could be in that area, that town, that rural environment, whatever you want to call it, there could be a church there that's not dead. A church could be there that says, we will show you how incredible God is. We will not just speak something to you. We'll show you. We will walk with you. It'll become a true community, a true group of people that say, this is true. This can really happen. So if you've been a part of this series, we've tried to speak up that we want to be the kind of church that helps make this true. We want to be the kind of people that aren't just cool with the fact that, well, I've got a seat. I'm going to go to heaven someday. We want to be a kind of people that doesn't care about the size of our church and cares about the people who don't know who Jesus is. We want to be that kind of people. And so if you missed it in the series, began to show you some of, so what are we doing about it? Because I love some of you are like super practical. Yeah. Okay, I hear what you're saying. Sounds neat. What, what are we doing? Hmm. Well, let me remind you of what we're doing. One is this. We're going to start a, a down, downtown location in Rapid City. It's going to meet on, on Monday nights, not, not the weekend. I know some of you are like, wait a minute. I thought Jesus worshipped on the weekend. Well, not necessarily. See, here, here's, we, we believe that there are people who can't go to church right now because the jobs won't let them. They got a timing that keeps them from being a part of it. And you and I could say, well, they should just switch jobs. Or we could be more like Jesus and say, let's just meet them where they're at. So we have an office space. Let's uh, show people who Jesus is there. On Monday nights, guess what? God can go to church on Monday nights too. Now, Rapid City isn't the only thing I shared with you about how we're going to dig these well, show people who Jesus is regionally. We're looking at regional. I gave you a list of places that we're going to put column locations, church plants. Some of them will look exactly like Fountain Springs Church. Some of them won't. For example, Cowboy Church. We are not going to switch to country music. Some of you are like, man. <laughs> but this is the list that, if you want to know, like, like, is that just like hopes and dreams? No. We have been reorganizing the budget for the past couple years. We have begun to look at how to train people. And the series is perfectly timed for a time that we can talk about these places, according to what we know, are places that need a church who will simply show people who Jesus is. And perhaps some of you are like, you're like, I'm from there, or you know people there, but we're going to go after this. I think we can begin to launch some of these things as early as 2020. So if you want to know why this is up, uh, this is not for the person next to you. This is for you. So I thought I'd speak directly to you. Uh, here we go. Um, God is inviting you into the spaces where he saves redeems and rescues. And the best evidence we have is that God chose the church to be a delivery vehicle for his hope. And so what you are listening to is not an accident. You may have planned to be a part of church or maybe you did. I don't know. But I wanted to tell you something that I felt like God laid on my heart. This, God is inviting you. 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 Because I believe that there are lots of people 
lots of people that he wants to rescue and redeem and give salvation to. And I am concerned that that won't happen unless you and I do something. How you run your life is a big deal. Did you know that? Not just about, uh, were you bad today and were you good today? (laughs) It's bigger than that and more profound than that. Jesus told a story, and in the story I thought I'd highlight something. The master was full of praise about how this guy had managed basically his day or his week. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now, I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I wanted to point something out. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. A little bit. A lot of times when you and I are going, what should I do with my life? Why am I here? Like, like what's, my, what's my calling in life? We oftentimes are like, it's to be this big grand thing or whatever. And you, be, you, have, the, you have the initial major thing and it's, it's a significant thing. And, and we're like, that's what God wants me to do. And we begin to get in this idea that, that God starts off like massive like that. I think oftentimes it's, it's a small amount moment. Huh, listen, like right now. Not tomorrow, not, not next year. Like, like, what if your craving for God to use you, for you to be a part of something bigger than you, is not about tomorrow, but it's about this very moment where God's trying to get your attention, desperately trying to, to knock on your head and be like, you're looking for something? <laughs> Listen to the pastor. So, here's what I would say. Your calling is loud and clear. But are you ready and willing? I think that's the tension that we've tried to address in this series. The calling is loud and clear. Jesus said it from the very beginning before it actually officially launched. He wanted to disseminate who he was and what he was like and what he promised through the church. So what's our response to this? I mean, I think that's where we begin to complicate it. The response is so significant, but so specific and not complicated. But I'm not sure we're all willing, ready to go after this, but I think we ought to be. Here's what the disciples said. I've read it to you before. And they left their nets at once and followed them. Many of us are like, well, I've, I've got some things I need to take care of first. Do you see how we think? How many of us would be like, I'd like to say that, but I have kids. And don't, don't abandon your kids. <laughs> don't, don't discount the significance of bringing kids on the journey. You see, I have this, I, I'm sorry, I love to argue, and it's somewhat fun for me. I should have been on a debate team or something, but I'm just telling you, don't, don't say you can't, because God wouldn't ask you if you couldn't. Don't forget what he said. Go and, go and pass this on to the ends of the earth is what he said. If you're like, who's that? Anyone and everyone. If you call yourself a Christian, Pick up a shovel and find someone. 
Perhaps it's one of these locations. I hope it is. What would happen? I mean, what would happen if you and I were to do this? So I can give you a glimpse. This, this is real stuff. I just want, these are stories. And I just, I want to, I want to read through these because these are real people. And, and they gave permission. If you're like, they, they gave permission for this. Just but, but, Tiffany, she, she wrote, my life was very hectic and was on a, a downhill spiral. I made a lot of stupid decisions and mistakes, plus struggled with addiction. I came to the point when I felt like I couldn't continue my journey in life, and I realized I needed Jesus in my life. I have given everything to Jesus and rely on him to help him make decisions. Brian, since being a part of this church, my relationship with God has reignited, and it allows my family, don't miss that, and it allows my family to worship somewhere open and inviting. Carolyn said, before Jesus, I felt lost and angry 80% of the time. I felt like I was not enough. Jesus has taught me to not judge the way I used to, to be open and honest in all of my relationships. I feel a ton of weight lifted off my chest by putting it in all of his hands. Will said, I, I didn't have a purpose. I always felt angry, upset, and unhappy. I didn't find joy in anything. I felt alone. Now with Jesus, uh, there seems to be a common denominator here. Now with Jesus, I'm a lot happier with me. He's shown me he is always with me. I worry a lot less. I'm more patient. Katie said the biggest difference Jesus has made is showing me there's someone who is higher than me and will continue to love me. Jesus continues to tell me there is good and he is the answer. I mean, I, I had too many to pick from. If you want to know what the world needs, two things. Jesus and someone to show them who Jesus is. And since the beginning, God has chosen to involve you and I. Many of us will pray, God, do your will, right? We're supposed to pray that way. God, would you do your will? Pray that way. That's a good way to pray. Do you know often he's like, he's like cool, here's my will. You get involved. So, here's how I want to basically end the whole series. You have two choices. You can assume that this message and this series and what God's doing with us as a church has nothing to do with you. Or, and I only made a slide for one of the options, this one. Go and show people who Jesus is. So I'd, I'd like to make this very simple for you. In, in front of you, uh, whether maybe it's on your seat or the seat backs, there's a card. I'd like everyone to get this card. And when I say everyone, that means literally everyone. Like you get this card. Uh, the card's not complicated, by the way. We made sure that it's very simple, very direct. On one side, there's, the, there's pictures. Always need pictures. And you can, right there, you can check mark, I am committed to digging wells, put your name, email, phone, whatever, however we can contact you, because we will contact you. The other side is even a bit more easy. You just check mark or use an X or a smiley face, whichever you want to. But what I'd like you to consider doing, and I'd like to use maybe more direct language than consider, here's what I want you to do. Is fill this out 
This is not a committal, because if you, if you, even if you checkmark maybe multiple places, you can't be in one place at one time, but, but you can be a part of this somehow. Would you be willing to check this? And when you leave, we'll have baskets that you can drop these into and begin the process of being a part of something bigger than you. Begin the process of saying, I am not satisfied with the kids in 15 years, growing up and in their early 20s, not having a church they can go to that will show them who Jesus is. It's 15 years away. If you wanna know how history works, what happens in 15 years has everything to do with what you and I do today. So if you need more information, uh, I'm glad you asked about that. Uh, we, have a, we have a meeting. Now, I know all of us can't go to the meeting. We're like, well, I got something planned on Monday, March 4th at 6.30 p.m. Exactly, I'm going to come up with something, but I've got something planned. I want to invite you, if you, if you want to consider being a part of this, by the way, this is like a normal meeting. You don't show up and all of a sudden we scan you and you're locked in and we're going to tell you where to move to. And, and No, I want to invite you into something that we know how to help you do what God's called you to do. That's it. So for those of you who put things on calendars, here's something to put on your calendar. We're gonna sing here in a moment. I hope that after this weekend, because this is the end of it, by the way, I hope that a whole crew of us will be willing to walk life out on purpose, to care about the next generation. I'm stinking excited. Let's pray. God, this has been fun and challenging, I think, for all of us, all in different ways. God, I think that you're pulling some of us away from some things, and you're pulling us to things. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would prep our hearts and our minds to be willing to do whatever you want as you want it done. God, right now I pray for that whole list of places from rapid and beyond. God, would you, would you begin to prepare the way? You know what it'll need. It'll need uh, people willing to serve money to do good things in the communities, facilities to, to meet at, and people with open hearts willing and ready to hear about who Jesus is. God, you, you know better than us what's needed, so we ask that you begin to prepare the way and prepare our hearts. And God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you will help us be a church that cares about things beyond ourselves. So we surrender these plans to you we ask that you do your will. Thanks for letting us be a part. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.